Hi, I'm Andrea, and this is Empowered by Darkness, a podcast for anyone seeking to dive deep into all parts of themselves, especially the darker ones, to become empowered by the integration of these into uncovering your unique expression and purpose. Here we shed light on the self-hatred, the resentment, the need for validation and saving, the fear of being loved, the illusion of power in damaging patterns, and many more topics that will challenge you to bloom wherever you are currently planted. Welcome to your life's work. Take a seat and let's get started. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. I am so grateful to have you here. This is an episode that we'll be talking all about self-hatred. So self-hatred has many dimensions and I really wanted to define what self-hatred will be in the context of this podcast episode. So the way that I define it is this constant pushing of the idea that you are not good enough through consistent negative thoughts about yourself. Self-criticism, to be to put it in a short term. So this self-criticism could be regarding specific situations that make you feel strongly about yourself. Some examples are overeating, going back to a toxic connection, failing at something important to you, and they can also encompass holding a grudge against yourself for past mistakes and really setting these unrealistic expectations that you expect yourself to meet and that you hold yourself accountable for meeting but in a very unhealthy and detrimental way to your mental health and your physical health too. I will also define it as this comparison of yourself to others that can help you, that can lead you to feel that there's virtues in others, but there isn't any virtue in yourself. So you diminish whatever pitfalls the individuals that you are idolizing have in their journey and you only highlight in your mind the good parts of their journey the highlight reels, if you may say so. And that is the complete opposite of how you view yourself. And you, when you look at yourself candidly, you highlight the failures and the shortcomings, and you really leave a very small exposure for the virtues, for the admirable qualities, for the victories, And this self-hatred that I define can also include body image issues, self-image issues that really stem from the continual need for perfectionism. And having self-hatred can feel like going about your day with someone pointing out your flaws, your shortcomings, and any other part of you that really feels unworthy at its core. So what can cause self-hatred? 
there are many things that can lead to you feeling this way, but they're typically triggered by more than one factor. So past trauma, perfectionism, false expectations, and unreasonable expectations can trigger self-hatred, social comparisons, and learned behaviors, usually learned from the very first influences that we had in our formation as individuals, which could come from our caregivers at a very young age. So most people who experience extreme self-hatred have been through traumatic and emotionally challenging experiences. These can be sexual, they can be emotional, and they can also be physical, it could be physical abuse, it could be neglect. So when as children we experience the world as unsafe and the people around us as dangerous, we subconsciously develop an inner narrative that makes us feel connected to the first reality we experience, which is a very unsafe one. So this can look like us feeling like we are not worthy of being loved and that we have no value because we are operating on that initial narrative made up by the people that were meant to take care of us and meant to keep us safe and make us feel that safety through their actions and their words of affirmation. So if you have a guardian growing up that had very hateful comments towards you, very discriminatory comments, or had a dismissive attitude or had both of them, this can make you infer as a child, as a teenager, that these individuals think very lowly of you. Because our inner critic and the voice that really informs the way we feel about ourselves, it uses these instances in our existence to make a conclusion about the way that we are being seen. And oftentimes if we experience that very negative input from somebody else growing up, we can adopt it as our own internal dialogue. So research has shown actually that as children, we identify with the angry caregiver in our home. So if that caregiver was mom or if it was dad, we start identifying their opinions. We start identifying ourselves in their opinions instead of really formulating our own opinion of, our, of who we are. So this leads us as children to take on the anger, the fear, and any other negative emotions that the parent our parent is going through while processing very deep stress in our lives. And really what I wanted to emphasize is that self-hatred can lead or facilitate the occurrence of very serious personal issues like lacking boundaries, people-pleasing, talking very badly about ourselves, downplaying our abilities and really playing small everywhere that we go. And it can lead to very deeply ingrained unworthiness. And I will be in this episode talking about self-hatred in three different dimensions that I really wanted to cover. And those are physical appearance, personality, and 
the term imposter syndrome. So starting off with physical appearance, which for me has been one of the biggest things that I've had to grapple with, I can consciously remember that I faced and struggled with this as far back as when I was 13 years old. I always had this sense of inadequacy every time that I looked in the mirror. I did not accept what I saw. And frankly, in those moments, I didn't even know what it is that I wanted to be more like, who it is that I wanted to look more like. I... From an outsider's perspective, I saw at that time that this insecurity of mine was meaningless and honestly unimportant in the vastness of life and who we are as human beings. So I really got these glimpses of of this truth, but in the middle of a huge tidal wave of self-consciousness and at times disgust with what I was looking at when I would look in the mirror. So the difficulty for me was compounded over the years of feeling this way when I felt so negatively about myself. And on top of that, I felt this immense shame for caring about appearances, for caring about what somebody else thought of me. The things I thought about, you know, some of them I would never express about somebody else. The things I thought about me, they were comments that were very negative and tore down everything that I was in that moment. So deep down, I am sure that these flaws and these shortcomings, I was blowing out of proportion, and yet they felt all-encompassing. They felt like everything that I knew about who I was. So all of my life, you know, I had already experienced this sense of isolation. I always felt different from others around me. I felt like this outsider looking in at the world from behind a curtain that I never really dared to open because I wasn't capable of showing who I really was. But in that moment in my life of not feeling any beauty in my reflection, I only isolated myself even more because I thought that no one would find me worthy of keeping by their side, of loving unconditionally. I compared myself to other women all of the time, wishing that I was more like those women I perceived to be admired for their way of presenting themselves in the world. And I felt like I would never be able to experience that admiration from somebody else and that desire to be cared for by somebody else and notice how I use the word cared for because there was a very profound subconscious wound that was underlining this concern for appearances subconsciously the wound that had always been playing out in my narrative was also a part of this insecurity and that was the wound of fearing not being chosen the fear of being abandoned because there was something lacking in me. If you haven't heard previous podcast episodes, I was abandoned by my father when I was 15 without any reason for it happening. And at the time when I was 15, not having a, an acceptable reason for 
being left alone by the person that was meant to care for me made me equate that abandonment with the core of who I understood myself to be at 15. And really, the, my identity was formed upon my achievement and my physical desirability to others. Because at 15, those were the things that I thought made up who I was. And as a woman that was coming into her identity as female, and um, I was starting to really see myself, my see my physical appearance as something that the world took in a in a light that I didn't see before. Like I was expanding my idea of of the way that I took care of myself physically and the way that it appealed to men and it was just this coming into that identity and subconsciously having experienced that abandonment I made it out to be about the way that I looked the way that I presented myself was I not desirable was I not worthy of being chosen so though my appearance though appearances at the time were unimportant to me and other people in myself, they were relevant to this narrative I'd formed in my head about myself. So I feared not being good enough to be chosen, to be protected, to be cherished. And a part of me was also seeking safety after many years of feeling an edge and exposed during my childhood, which I experienced trauma. And I really encourage you to check out past um, episodes about my life story so you know the type of trauma that I am referring to in, in this instance. So I feared really not being good enough to be chosen. And a part of me was also, you know, my mind came to associate being wanted by others, especially men, as the way to find safety. So I wanted to also mention in this episode that there is a condition, a mental health condition, called body dysmorphic disorder, BDD. So this condition, I came about two years ago. I was on YouTube and I was down the rabbit hole of YouTube looking at videos of women that were speaking of their experiences with feeling deep insecurities on their appearance and their personality. And I stumbled upon a video of BDD. And this woman was talking about what she experienced on a daily basis and how really agonizing it felt to be constantly checking her reflection in the mirror and feeling a sense of inadequacy, obsessing over a perceived flaw in her physical appearance. And, and really, once that obsession ceased, she would find another flaw to fix her attention on and think that the entire world was able to perceive it and think different of her. So BDD was really, I've, I'd never heard of it until watching that YouTube video, but once I did, I started researching about it and I was seeking a therapist at the time and when I was able to start attending therapy, I brought it up to my therapist that I thought I had BDD. For I never felt so understood until I watched that video and I agreed with everything that woman was sharing. So basically what BDD is, is this condition where a person spends a lot of time worrying about their flaws and their appearance that are honestly not noticeable to others. But for the person, it feels like it is everything that 
encompasses who they are. And this is a very real condition because it doesn't mean that you're being vain or self-obsessed for caring so much about your appearance, but it's actually very upsetting to care that much. You worry a lot about a particular area of your body and you waste so much time on caring about it that really all your mental and emotional energy goes toward obsessing over this one thing like your nose, your your face structure, um, whatever it is that it's really grabbing all of your attention, it becomes something that is just intrusive in your mind. You can't stop thinking about it. And one thing that I find a lot in hearing the testimonies of women with BDD is that they constantly wonder how much free time they would have or free mental space they would have if they didn't think about these things so consistently. So I, at first, I would think that me checking myself in mirrors was self, was very self-obsessed and vain. For in my mind, others had to think that way. You know, I was trying to, others had to think that I was trying to look good enough for other people. But only through time and really working on this wound that I had, I would realize that every time I looked in the mirror, with every glance that I would, that I would take, I was really, my, my inner wounded child and and teenager were only desiring to feel less empty than the last time they checked their reflection in the mirror. I was only desiring to feel peace with what was in that moment, understanding what happened to me in childhood and in my teenage years, accepting the things I changed in myself physically to feel worthy of being loved, of being cherished. So these parts of me only ever really wanted to experience a kind word from me, the person gazing in the mirror. And I only ever really wanted to experience a respite from the harsh inner dialogue that came to feel like that was everything that I had to hold on to. So really what I was doing, I was living in this prison inside my mind in which I was searching for the approval of others that would only place me in another type of prison. So I started wondering, you know, where where is liberation? Liberty cannot be in being perceived by others as desirable or as worthy of being cared for because it's putting so much of your safety and your well-being in the hands of another when you know, you in that moment I could achieve liberation through reframing for me what was worthy, what was beautiful. And I experienced a moment, and I journaled about this a couple of months ago, where I felt beautiful for the first time, but that beauty was not external. It was this feeling like I was at work one day, and all throughout that day at work, I was experiencing intrusive thoughts about the way that I looked. But there was a moment where I was having a conversation with the autistic adults that I work with in my my job, and I felt so present with them in that moment, and I felt like I was taking in their way of viewing life with so much openness and curiosity that I felt 
beautiful for it. I felt in that moment, I, I had this dialogue in my head of thinking that not a lot of people open themselves to another person's story like that. Some people are, their mind is completely elsewhere or they are just consumed by distractions that are in that environment that they're in because they really do not place value in the other person's openness. But in that moment, since I was so present and just curious and, and loving of this human being opening up to me, I felt beautiful. I felt like I had a sensitivity that was beautiful in that moment. So for me, it was so easy to come about that feeling. So then it, it kind of got the gears turning in my mind of if it's so easy to feel enough and worthy through this experience, it should be easy to continue feeling it throughout my life if I really tune in to what's around me and I reflect on it. So I honestly, after having that moment with the kids that I work with, I started questioning a lot of things in my life and liberation took a whole new meaning for me. Liberty was now in my mind. Liberty was in the softness that I felt grew inside of me when I let my guard down, when I listened with my entire heart and soul Liberation was when I smiled at someone that needed that warmth from me. It was when I held myself for failing to see my worth once again, because I'm only human. We are only human. And liberation was in that moment growing in my capacity to forgive myself once more. And if I got the approval of someone for looking like their ideal of beauty, what would that say about me? It would say that their ideal of something was more important than the amazing people that I had an opportunity to work with that were not caring for how I looked. They were caring for how I listened, how I held space. And honestly, caring so much for the ideal of somebody else, whether that was society whether that was my partner, whether that was a close friend, a stranger that I saw on the street, you know, that was giving away my power one person at a time. It was molding myself into a desirable piece for someone to look at and provide worth to. When that worth was inherent all along, that worth was what I was born with and what I would die with because that worth had nothing to do with how I looked. So, It sounds like I reached a full circle in this moment, but when a wound, when a personal wound runs so deep that it's what I've known since I was 12, since I was 13, it doesn't go away with epiphanies like this one that I reached. It continues to go on and and there's a lot of grieving that comes with it. There were many moments after coming to this realization that I had to come to a reckoning of the way that I treated myself for so many years. And I cried many times for past versions of me that looked everywhere for someone to tell them that she was beautiful, that she was wanted, because she thought that being wanted was how she found her safety, and that someone thought that she was worth fighting for. And I found a million voices telling me growing up ways in which I could alter this shell that I was grown with, this 
that I was born with, this body that I was born with, there were a million voices telling me how I could change her at every stage of childhood and adolescence. So I listened to many of them. I shifted and morphed into this person that I thought I needed to be, but no amount of physical alterations could change a deep-seated belief that I was not enough. And I'm, I'm being completely honest with that statement. It didn't matter what I changed. I still kept feeling like every time I looked in the mirror, it was not enough. And I think that I needed the weight of my hatred for myself to be so heavy and so insistent and so painful that I finally came to a point in which I was tired, I was exhausted, and enough was enough. I thought there could no longer be space inside of me for these thoughts and emotions to keep festering. And I am so much more than them. I am itching to be set free from limiting beliefs and narratives about who I am and what I can bring to the table because I am so beautiful and that beauty does not even touch my surface. That beauty, if you are listening, that you are looking for, it is not in your surface. It is not in the shell that, that covers everything that is actually the treasure of who you are. And it's not going to be an instantaneous change of heart for you if you've been struggling with this all of your life. If you've been grappling with deep-seated self-criticism. But you will get to a point in which it starts feeling lighter. Because for the first time, you will start to see how exhausting it can be to live being your worst enemy. It's very, very tiring. And really, you come to a crossroads at some point of having to make a decision for tomorrow and for the rest of your days, really, you start to come to this question of, will you choose to find personal power in that perceived beauty and that external allure? Or will you find it in strengthening your authentic expression and showing up in the world with vulnerability and your heart before you? And the answer for me was clear. I could not think of a true legacy coming from the first, coming from perceived beauty. I could not think of finding a heart-centered and compassionate love coming from the first. I could not think of a fulfilling career and home life coming from the first. I could not aspire to this first choice because I had to reframe my mind to also choose what my heart had already chosen many times ago. It had chosen strengthening my authentic expression instead. It had chosen showing up in the world with my heart before me, like I am doing in this podcast. And this became me after many years of feeling defeated by my own self-talk. So I really wanted to start off this series on the topic of self-hatred with physical appearance because I think a lot of the times as women we feel guilty and we feel self-conscious for caring so much and if I'm being completely honest for the longest time the shame just added this unnecessary weight on top of already feeling like crap every time I would think about the way that I was being perceived. And I wanted to leave off 
the topics of personality and imposter syndrome for future episodes. As I was recording this episode, I actually made that decision because I felt like they needed their own space and I didn't want this episode to be too long either. Um, I, th- I think that I said everything that I wanted to say about physical appearance and the following episode will go more into personality and imposter syndrome and how there can be hatred in those as well that we store sometimes very much unconsciously, but it affects our daily lives. And just to close off the episode, I wanted to encourage you to do one thing. If you find yourself currently in this moment experiencing very intrusive negative thoughts about your appearance, and and I wanted to encourage you to do this because it was one of the things that really shifted my perspective. So what I want you to do is journal. Journal about the first time that you felt like you cared about the way that you were being seen by another. For me, when I journaled, I went back to a core memory of mine of when I was, I want to say 13 or 14, and I went to this park with my mother and I, when I saw, when I saw the people at the park and how joyful they felt and just how well-dressed they were, because it was just this event that was happening at the park. And, you know, I looked at myself and I felt like I couldn't go outside of the car. It was the weirdest thing. I felt guilty for it because my mother pointed out at the time that I did it. I, I did the thing of not wanting to go out of the car because I felt like I wasn't dressed for the occasion and I didn't look good enough and she told me in that moment if you keep keep living your life this way which that statement means that she had already noticed the pattern of me doing this of feeling inadequate she told me if you keep living like this you're never going to be happy so for me that was the core memory of why at that age did I feel that way I was so young, I should have just cared to go out of the car and have fun like everyone else. I think it was like a 4th of July event or something. And for me, like that memory sparked the need to ask deeper questions about where this belief was coming from. Because I even asked myself, did you feel at that age like you weren't worthy of having fun like everybody else? That you weren't worthy of being carefree? And honestly, I think it was part of it. Uh, when that happened, my dad had left the family for a period of time before he actually left for good. So I, I felt like I was still on high alert. I felt like I, I felt guilty for a lot of the things that my dad did up to then. And I was carrying that weight and that need to shelter myself away from the world because they couldn't see the way that I felt, how broken I felt. So it it was... I share this because there were many added layers to that feeling. It was very complex, and it still is when I reflect upon it. So I encourage you to journal. When was the first time that you felt that need to to not be seen by the world? To that that you actually cared so much about the way that you would be perceived that you just hid away, or you altered something about yourself because you just 
could not conceive of staying the way you were because it would be insufficient. So I encourage you to journal about it and really ask yourself questions. Speak to that version of you that you recalled in your memory. It might feel weird at first, but just do it whenever you have some alone time. Do it in your head. I would do a lot of these conversations in my brain. I would talk to that version of me that was 13, 14. Ask her, ask him questions to unearth what was going through your head at that time. And I promise you that some uncomfortable things would arise, but it's it's important to lean into the discomfort because it's the only way you're going to start unveiling the deeper truth of those insecurities. So that's it for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. I wish you the best today in whatever you are doing. And I am sending you all of my love. Take care. Bye. There is no right time to begin working on the parts of ourselves we may have neglected for the majority of our lives. If you're here, it is for a reason. I am so proud of you for asking the tough questions and delving into what comes of these. May you find the deepest healing and transformation on this path.